0: Yeah, I, I'm just a dude from a trailer park trying to figure out the universe. How deep you wanna go? 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 What is good, everybody? Welcome to the basement as we close out February in this year 2021 of our Lord. I hope everything's going well and you're feeling fine. I'm just sitting back. I got a. Uh, I got. I got hit up. And a buddy of mine uh, who I served with, he's, uh, he's separating uh, military service, and he just kind of reached out, and I love, you know, I love the fact that people are comfortable enough to do that with me, and I love when that happens just anyways. If you're separating military service, it's worth having a conversation with multiple people, <laughs> but at least somebody who has separated military service and can kind of give you their perspective on how it went for them. And that, that happened to me. One of, my, one of my boys hit me up and he's, hey, I'm separating a few months, kind of just concerned with the, the mental health aspect of it. You know, his one, he's he's served in, in multiple, m- multiple branches. He's uh, been to war, been in combat at war. And that leaves a different impression on your brain. Then, you know, a lot of people serve in a, a lot of different capacities and, you know, some people are su- so therefore people are subjected to just a, a lot of different things. And whether that's that's uh, from from down to attitudes up to, to bombs and everything in between, you know, chemicals, uh, just bad situations, good situations, great situations, tough situations, um, physical situations, things that can get out of hand. I don't know. All, it, it, you go through every range of emotions and then some serving and almost no matter what capacity you're serving in. So I got to sitting back thinking about, well, let me really sit back and think about my service from the age of 19 to finally getting out. Let's see. Hold on. I started, I got to do public math. I, I joined in March 2004 and separated in March 2018, uh, kind of in a, a oh, in, in in a manner which left the door open for me. I had to go about it a certain way to uh, to because I I don't know. I'm contemplating, you know, maybe maybe making a, a grand and triumphant return to service because I I could do six years in kind of a part time service and then qualify for the the 20 year pension. I served for 14 years, so 2004 to 2018, and in that time. I went through just a, a a lot of a lot of different growing experiences just as a human, just marriage, divorce, uh, single lifestyle, meeting this the the best of friends. Some of my best friends, people I talk to on a, a daily, weekly basis, individuals that I don't go uh, a week or a week and a half without reaching out, speaking to people, I, you know, consult for, for life guidance and insight and, and perspective. And just, and I mean, really became a man, you know, throughout the duration of that service and then come to a point, get remarried, have my first child and just a really, a really change of perspective at how I view life. And decided ultimately it was time for my service to come to an end. You know, But that, the, the, the end of service, the pause in service, the current right now break in service was actually preceded by a transition from active duty to kind of more part-time service, even though it was full-time service. It's just, it's a weird classification. So I was working full-time in a military uniform, Monday through Friday, uh, supporting what people would consider a part-time mission, uh, and I've, I don't, I'm not going to really break that down any further. But I was uh, fully invo- fully involved in military operations. Uh, but you know, at, at 19, kind of come immediately, you're thrown into the muss into the. Uh, you know, for me, it was fixing airplanes. So that the whirlwind life of getting the the largest aerial refueling airframe, the KC-135. Fixing that, making sure that that was in in tip-top condition to to fly. You know, hundreds and hundreds of hours. Uh, Again, we pull. What my job was when I was active duty military aircraft mechanic. We pull a plane in a hangar, rip it apart, inspect it, verify. Uh, you know what's broken, what needs to be replaced, fix it as needed, put everything back together, check it to make sure it works, and then that bad boy goes off to fly for another just hundreds and hundreds of hours. And there's, you know, have you know a 200 hour flight to fly for 200 hours, get a a minor check, or to fly for 600 hours and it gets a a major check. So it's just the way it's calculated like that. But but 19, all of a sudden, I'm working on you know a very you know there's there's not an airframe in the United States military's inventory that's not important in the context of air superiority, in the context of needing as large of a military the world has ever known, uh, debatable. But in the context of having that, uh, every every instrument has, uh, has its place. And I was working on the tankers, the aerial refuelers. You can't do much if you don't have gas. And fighters burn up a lot of fuel. A jet. Think of a. Well, you are watching Top Gun? You got that's a Navy F eighteen, but they need to get refueled because those missions are, are. You know those airframes, just suck down jet fuel. I mean, it's a jet turbo jet engine. It takes a lot of gas to keep that going. So you could all of a sudden it's it's burning and it's, it's gone. So to keep those going, you got aerial aerial refuelers. So I was 19 working on those by the time I was 20 gained a lot of experience we uprooted a whole they tore down our runway in North Dakota they gave a new runway and that's a, that's a, that's a big deal like that's a, i don't know how long runways last but to shut down active duty military bases air force bases runway it's a big fucking deal so we had to move all of our operations to Washington state from North Dakota so that was just gained a lot of experience out there in Washington just Uh, It was was tremendous to to be out there and also life experience, like just getting out there, kind of get my toe in the water, being a 20-year-old around all these guys who came from all across the world, they're stationed in one place, all of a sudden we're stationed in another and... Really got to know people, you know, and really see who people are, and for, and I mean that in, in a very, very good way. And just spent a lot of time, really built some lasting relationships, uh, and then ultimately we end up going back to North Dakota, and that was, you know, and I, I was 20 years old, and then by 20, right before I turned 21, I deploy, get some desert experience. I've discussed that before, and I come back, so I'm 21 when I come back from there, and then things, then I'm kind of just back in North Dakota. And I get, you know, a couple of years go by. I get a, a, a new guy in the shop. Like, and it was, it's, it's great when a new guy shows up. And when you're working, it's called, you know, the type of inspections we were doing. Like, you, it's, it's rare to get. they didn't get a lot of new guys, you know, <laughs> from between me being a new guy and this new guy come a couple of years in between. So it was nice, refreshing. Uh, and he, you know, he had his issues transitioning throughout the military. Ultimately, this guy's service was terminated, but he was the first individual was kind of put underneath my tutelage to teach him how to fix these airplanes and teach him how to do that in the right way. So you're ultimately given a lot of responsibility at a very young age. Again, I'm 23. My brain's not even fully formed. And I got this dude who's my peer. Ultimately, he's my, we're the same age, uh, but I got a few more years experience. I'm supposed to, uh teach him kind of the ropes, uh, how to get, how to get by and how we, how we do and excellence in all we do and an outstanding uh, performing unit. You know, where I got some of the medals I'm the most proud of are my outstanding units. uh, I spent the majority of my military tenure involved in outstanding units. And that was, that, those are and I can I can break I can break down each unit, but that that would be real boring for everybody. But like, and then it goes down. I move from North Dakota to uh, to Arizona, and I'm I'm involved in in you know, immediately a shift lead. So hey, you're gonna work the three to midnight shift, and uh, you're in charge of these couple guys. I was like, I don't even know the airplane. Like, yeah, but you're in the Air Force, your rank says you know leadership and you you will learn the airplane. You you are competent enough. And I did that, learned the airframe, got uh, you know, and continued my, my leadership and development. And this by the time I'm twenty five, like I'm fully running that specific shop. So right away off top, you're running this shift. And I did that for a few years. You know, grew and progressed as uh as a military leader, you know, gained and developed more skills as an aircraft mechanic, and you know, eventually transitioned to running the head of that shop. And that's usually uh, an e six position. and I'm an e five. Granted, I was an e five who had uh, career issues, got a demotion in the past. I got I got my Air Force career went uh, no stripes, two stripes, three stripes, two stripes, three stripes. Three stripes then for a really long time, and then four stripes. So I was, you know, and ultimately uh, when, I, when I separated service, I had, I had five stripes, which is E6, a technical sergeant in the Air Force. But I'm the only E5 uh, shop lead. So the other shop leads, uh, there, were, there were some issues sometimes with, I don't know, white male oppression. Not uh, just 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 rank ego ego issues thinking people could bully me around or boss me around in a in a military context. It's just like I, I was never having it. I had many you behind doors talking to's with superiors about what what the fuck it was and why I was the way I was was and how I, why I acted and responded the way I did because ultimately you know, it's, it's, you're not gonna be able to punk me. You're definitely not gonna be able to punk me in public. Like we're gonna fight before that. And sometimes that was. Not unexpected militarily, like in the context of aircraft mechanics. I mean, we can we can handle this in multiple different ways. And honestly, the military way is the most difficult. So let's do this an easier way, and somewhere in the middle, like you know, people put hands on each other from time to time. Not too often, not too often, but and sometimes it, maybe it was just hey let, let's wrestle grapple but like for for real let's and you know maybe it wouldn't be be hands but things things could escalate and, and de-escalate a, a, a lot of times a lot of egos a lot of testosterone when you're talking a group of aircraft mechanics but by 25 i was kind of heading up a shop and having a lot of success a lot of uh all our planes would pass inspections and be out flying with with no problems and you know i, I think back at like i had a a situation. I had a couple of airmen who like couldn't get right. Like, these motherfuckers couldn't get right. Just one dude always late, getting caught up in like little lie. Not lies. He would never lie to me, but he like would be late and not mention he was late because he went to Phoenix and had a situation up there that set him behind and that's why he was, we were supposed to show up at noon on a Saturday and he gets there at like 1230 and like militarily coming in late is, I don't know, people lose their fucking minds. And I think that's, that's the truth. I mean, I hear even to this day, I hear people who can't make it on time and even the team I'm involved with, like we're a real team. So when people get a little bit behind or aren't there, like, yeah, you know, we kind of need everybody here to be and remain on the same page. So I guess that that's what it is. If you're not there, if you're walking in, roll calls at let's just say it's a day shift, 7 a.m. You're supposed to be in formation by 7 a.m. to get your daily briefing. You walk in at 7:03 with a cup of coffee. Like, bro, you could have gotten gotten gone and got the coffee later. Like, I would definitely let you go and get the coffee later if you just show up on time. So just little little shit like that. And then I had another cat, and I was. He showed up. We had gym days. All right. And this was, I'm like 25, maybe, maybe 20. Yeah, maybe 25, 26. Dude shows up and he's, uh, he was supposed to be at work in formation, but he went to the gym. But the thing is, there were other people at the gym who didn't see him there. And he showed up saying, my bad. I went to the gym. I thought it was a gym day. I said, gym days are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Today's Tuesday. You're telling me you didn't know it was Tuesday. You are at the gym yesterday. And I definitely probably wasn't this calm or clear, like relaying what I was saying to him. I was probably something more along the lines of, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you late? Oh, you thought it was a gym day. That That's bullshit. Um you're you clearly just what like he bro had just just woke up like his eyes were still like half shut, you know, boogers in his eyes. I sleep like, you know, like still had a little little white, little white spots on the corners of his of his mouth. Like, bro had just woke like he wasn't like he got up. Usually if you wake up, you're late or you think you're late, you got that shock energy, you get, you know, put your uniform on, get your boots on, get out the door, and you're just getting in, like, uh, he, uh-uh, bro was still fucking asleep, so I don't know if he was on some type of sedative or some shit, took a little something before he went to bed, had a little bit too much to drink, whatever, he didn't seem drunk, uh, and in fact, bro was, he wasn't drunk, bro was 19, yeah, came in, came in late, but I'm thinking, but I'm, what, I was, what I'm getting at, I'm thinking of my response to that, I mean, and ultimately I think I was like, look, do not lie to me. I was like, I could do you, like, you're clearly late. You just fucking woke up. Like, but I was thinking of the intensity that I came at him with, even in the military context, I guess I don't know because it was one-to-one it was behind closed doors. It wasn't, I didn't berate him in public in front of anybody. But And ultimately, I think we were very clear on, I think that you're lying to me. Don't lie to me. Uh, If what you're saying is true, that's fucking stupid. You did something stupid and don't do stupid shit. But eh, I'm pretty sure we're on the same page. And ultimately, he was a good airman and as far as i know he's still continuing military service and i'd actually like to get in touch with him antoine toms random vet shout out antoine toms toms was he was he was all right man like he showed up he had you know no no dad influence as far as i recall like you know, i believe he grew up with a single mom and his grand his grandma raised him his grandma and his mom raised him and, and you know had a little soft but he just didn't know and he he joined the air force wanted to serve his country and became an aircraft mechanic, probably the same way I did, like on accident, because he didn't know what the fuck he was doing with a wrench. That's one thing I had up. I didn't want to do it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't know how to use tools. He never had like the slightest of a male influence as far as I, you know, the story I recall hearing about that young man. Uh, but he was very teachable, but it would do it would take him a very long time to do certain things just based on just n- no experience And it got to a point like I kept him back one time. Dismissed everybody. This was back when we were on the night shift, so I dismissed everybody, and it was just me and him. I think there was like somebody else on the other side of the office, but but everybody went. I was like, "Hey, hang back." So everybody dipped out. I was like, "Hey, man, you're doing." I was like, "You know how long it took me to do what you just did when I first started?" He's like, "He got like he rolled his eyes and kind of lost a little confidence." He's like, "I don't know, twenty minutes." It's like nah, man. Like it took me three hours, it took you one hour just now. So you're doing great. You're doing. You're doing fine. You're exceeding beyond your peers. Like all right, that's all I wanted to say, man. Just keep up the good work. Keep busting your ass for me. And uh, he was a good airman. You know, his career progressed. I've heard a couple of things. Maybe he had a, he got in a little bit of trouble militarily, and I don't know the specifics behind that. But I would love to love to talk about it. But so even though, and then I had a, another instance. Where the dude I was talking about before, um, in fact, me and Donnie B were talking about this individual on our podcast. I'm gonna leave his name out of this because he got a little bit of trouble. But let's call him let's call him Mac. Yeah, Mac. Uh Mac showed up and he had he had his problems like I was mentioning, just couldn't get right, couldn't get on time, but he was a, a phenomenal uh mechanic, but he couldn't do the he couldn't do the paperwork. He had a hard time getting the paperwork right, and he had a hard time in his personal life, adapting to, because if you're military, you're military all the time. So he wanted to be military nine to five and be a civilian, you know, for, after, after duty hours, but duty hours are 24 seven. So he had a really hard time adapting to that. And ultimately that led him into, into military jail on to this day, until I hear it from his mouth or get a real clear, concise cut uh, story uh, from a source that I trust. Uh, I don't, I'm the way he got locked up doesn't quite seem right to me. I like to hear his side of the story, but he couldn't get the paperwork right. <laughs> and this motherfucker showed up. He, he showed me, like, I was like, all right, well here, we got to save time. I'm trying to get out of here as early as possible. You go do the paperwork print It It was all digital. Do the paperwork on a computer, print it out. And I'll review it. while We're doing this break job over here. We got to get this shit hooked up. And he comes out brings me the thing to verify. And it's just my, it was my whole shop. So this is one that arguably should have been a private conversation, but multiple things leading up to that moment of his little type of fuck ups led me to blow up. Fortunately, it was just in the context of my shop being present. It was four of us. So it was like my whole Electrical shop. We're doing this brake job, rehooking the electrical wires to the anti-skid system on a C130. And I look at him. I tell him that the paperwork's wrong, and he kind of flaps his arm, breathes real, <sighs> you know, hits his hands against his side, and rolls his eyes, and like gives me all this just negative, you know, negative energy and body language. And I told him, I said, "Stop. Turn around." And just gave it to him. I was like, "That's not how you act." Like, you don't do that shit. You fucked up the paperwork. Like, I'm sorry that I was not more clear in what I needed out of the paperwork. But I also need you to understand the situation that we're in, that I'm the only person who can sign certain things off. So when you sign things off improperly, it's supposed to be me. You fuck up everything. And that's why now we're having this conversation. Again, relayed a little bit differently. You know, you fucked up the paperwork. Go fix it. Um, like, I don't know, I, in fact, I remember saying actually that I need, uh, in fact, I did, I did. I said, in fact, in the moment it was heated and I came at him and I'm actually glad it happened in front of my shop and only my shop because my shop needs to always do it right. And the other people pretty much were doing it right. But I did, I did actually say, I'm sorry I didn't relay my point clear enough, but I need you to realize the situation that we're in and how the time needs to be accounted for when you take things off. Because when we're talking about aircraft, you have four people in a shop, you can work eight hours a day, eight times, uh, eight times four is 32 hours per shift, per, for that shift. So when you start going into thirty-three, thirty-two and a half, or more hours, you have to explain it and use different codes and do things a certain way. And if one person's name is in a certain spot, it can't be in another. And he was putting my name in spots that would leave things unable to be uh, corrected. So it just just I'm sh- boring you with too many details, but uh, f- fuckery. So lost it on him there, but. Again, that one I don't think was maybe as bad, but I'm still going to be hard on myself and just, you know, lead better. You know, don't get to a point where that situation comes. And that's where I think maybe militarily, militarily, or maybe even in in the whole world, leading at a young age is, is difficult and trying, It's very trying because when you're put in these positions at a young age, again, your brain may or may not be fully formed. You're trying to make these decisions as best you know how, but they're major, major decisions that have people's lives on the line. So it's, it's scary when people can't get certain things right and it causes other people to react in certain ways. And I mean, ultimately in life, I guess it's a good train of thought to always be, as proactive as possible to be you know if you're as proactive as possible it'll leave you be able to continue to move forward at a at a steady steady rate and then when it is there's always going to be times where you got to be reactive so when you can when it is reactive you're able to you know adapt uh, improvise uh, adjust and, and go on about Yeah, doing things the way they're supposed to be done. So uh, in a proactive manner, I guess it arguably supposed to be done, quote unquote. But but yeah, leading at a young age is it's wild. And but I mean, it gets to a point where it's repetitive and you can be prepared for when those non repetitive things come. I guess. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just saying. Uh, But you grow and continue to grow as a leader through being a student, like I, that's one of my biggest things, my biggest takeaway from, from leadership is if you're in a leader lead, one of the most important things about being in a leadership position is being able to follow. If you can follow in a leadership position, you know you'll be able to recognize where your key players are and how to put the proper spokes. Of the wheel in the right places, you know. Every when you're talking about a a system, everything operates. I mean, I guess if we're talking in, you know, in a professional setting, whatever your whatever your profession is, whether you're a military professional, whether you're a real estate professional, I mean, everything moves in a system. You know, even (laughs) real estate's oversaw by the government, the overall the system of it, so it has to go a certain way. But uh, uh, if you're a home inspector, or if you work at whatever, the Home Depot, Uh, if you're, if you're a beautician, like whatever, whatever that is, everything has a system to it. And if you're running, you know, things without a system, I mean, it's going to make it way more difficult, you know? So that's, I mean, so the, the ability to follow and recognize where things fit into the system and where time needs to be put within that. I mean, it just, just helps everything run as smoothly as possible to be as, progressive and proactive as possible because you have all the pieces in the right places. So when something shifts, you know, breaks, perhaps, like we're still, we're going to be able to fight through it, react a certain way and get back to to proactivity, to getting things done. And it's just some quick leadership takeaways for, from my perspective. And I, I utilize that just you know in day-to-day, just trying to lead... A household uh at least you know my wife i mean she's doesn't necessarily need or require leadership we are we're companions we're we're the heads of heads of the household together we do things as you know as one as a tandem in agreement, and when we disagree we 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 handle it as it needs to be handled uh talk it out, get on the same page, at least for the time being until we're not. And then, you know, rinse, wash, repeat, uh, just in order to, to keep things going and keep the, the system that we have built for, for progress in this household and, and kind of reformulating our vision of what a family should be or could be. Uh, to, to make that happen and you know that it, it, it's trying, you know, when I think about leadership or you know now, you know, it's the parenting just got these two Two young males, you know, two young boys who will eventually very very soon start becoming young men, you know And there's gonna be a lot of a lot of lessons a lot of a lot of trying things to come and I'm looking forward to every moment, but and it's a different type of work. It's a different type of focus and attention, and it's still new. I'm three and a half years into this. Uh, I don't know if having multiple kids makes parenting experience exponential because uh, I don't necessarily – it's hard to remember some, some of the things that, that happened before I was a dad. Like it's a whole – it changes 100% of the things about you. And random vet shout-out to – Master Sergeant Retired Andy Snedza. Snedzy? Snedza? I'm not, I can't barely remember how to pronounce their last name. There was a big big turmoil with the Snedzies how you pronounce their name, but at his retirement ceremony, he's, he said something, and I use it in a couple different contexts now, two or three, because it's true, but from the uh, the inside, from the outside looking in, you'll never understand, and from the, outside, from the inside looking out, you'll never be able to explain it. Uh, so that's kind of what parenting is like. And parenting actually led me to separate from service. It was, you know, so I got off active duty. All right. And, and transitioned to the national guard. And that was, it's, that was hard. That was, that was a very, a very difficult transition. And I found myself in my granddad's basement crying, uh, Going to, going to college, 28 years old, after nine and a half years of active duty military service, and there's a lot of, a lot, of, some, there's plenty of high school kids who are taking college level classes, and then a bunch of 18, and 19 year olds at this place. I'm just 17 through 19 year olds, and then if there's not, and at this particular time, and place at Normandale Community College in 2013, uh, not a lot of people my age, not a lot of peers. Made, made some friends, you know, made some, you know, one, like, lifelong friend, uh, for sure, my boy Paul. Uh, I call him Diddy. I don't know how I got to Diddy. I, uh, whatever, I ain't talking about Paul. But but going to, uh, to Normandale Community College in the day, like, part, I, I didn't know how to understand how to make a schedule. Well, here's the deal. I got off active duty. Military was trying to take control of my career. My grandma had died a few months before, and I was like, I don't think my grandpa is really going to have that much time left. So instead of the military taking control of my career, I'm going to take control of my career. Called uh, called active duty, quits, went to the Air National Guard. So that's one week in a month, two weeks a year, Uh, and it was it was tough living in my granddad's basement, going to school part-time or full I had a full time schedule, but like I set it up weird. Like I weird like it was like every other day and with one like early morning class. I like I don't know. I didn't set up the proper schedule. I should have just done like a Monday, Tuesday, like one class five days a week. And that probably would have better, been a better schedule and like worked part time in the afternoons and and then like bounced over the weekends. And I would have pro- that would have worked out way better than Then the way I did it, I had like two classes on Monday or one class Monday afternoon, one class Monday night, like nothing on Tuesday, two classes on Wednesday, one class on Thursday, then nothing on Friday. It it was just, it was was an odd odd schedule. Then I was bouncing at this place uh, for a few months on the weekends. And then I was, uh, honestly, I, I had a hard time separating. I was doing cocaine. Uh, For that whole time, like I got off active duty in the summertime is June or July and went to school that next semester from August to January. And then I left for Mississippi. I got activated for the Air National Guard then in January. So from basically June when I got off active duty through to January uh, 2013, I was going to school, living in my granddad's basement doing cocaine and bouncing nights on the weekends and like my body went to shit my brain went to fucking shit like I was not I was just not well I was very unwell actually just and in my granddad's basement just sitting there this this sense of loss just came over me you know the stability the one thing about the military especially we join at a young age it's the life you get to know uh that shaking up that ground you know, it's like a tectonic plate shift, man. It's, it's it's a massive, significant life-changing event, joining the military. But also the flip side of that coin is separating from the military. And I've seen people uh, unable to adapt to military service and get separated. I've seen people get uh, do four years and get out. I've seen people uh, get force separated for not being able to, uh, pass fitness exams, but, and mine was, it was real abrupt. It was like, well, air force says I got to do this. Fuck that. I I can go live in my granddad's house. Uh, so I got out really quick and I was ill prepared. Honestly, I was not prepared to separate service the, The And I'm not, I never felt suicidal, but I definitely felt this just major, major sense of loss and confusion and uh, not too many. It's like 1% of society serves or maybe has ever served. And so I get, look at 99% of people like, I don't know what, what you're doing. I don't relate to you. I'm so far removed from being around civilians on a regular basis that I don't know how to interact or communicate with you. And I didn't. And the cocaine wasn't helping. Uh, the drinking definitely wasn't helping. And that was still a time frame. No, I wasn't on steroids yet. Not not yet. <laughs> this was before that. So, but it was. it was all, a lot of things were just bad. I didn't know if I was going to get it together, how I was going to get it together, what things were going to be moving forward. I just had high hopes. I broke up with Megan before... Before leaving Arizona, and like by the time I got to Minnesota, I'm just like, like I don't know what the fuck's going on. My mind is not right. Maybe we could try to make it work. Like, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening. If you'll just bear with me, I gotta try to figure fucking life out. Uh, that was 2013. So fast forward six and a half years to now. I'm, I got a much better grasp, but I'm still trying to figure life out. Uh, but that separation from service was very, very challenging and didn't look good i mean you think almost 30 year old man just living in his granddad's basement not paying any rent um like and just living off gi bill uh which most of it was going to car payment because i'm a fucking moron and got just a souped up suv right before separating service i don't even i didn't I it all happened so quickly i don't it went in one of two ways i either got the that that truck uh and th- then just like things happened right after or I was thinking, well, oh, I'm not going to be able to get a new vehicle if I don't have a job. So let me just get that now. Not thinking of the payment <laughs> and needing to pay for life moving forward. But I guess the offset of not paying rent. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But my mental health was not right. So I end up getting activated then for military service. The beginning of 2014, and I served like a year in Mississippi. And that's actually when I started steroids, which is probably still not a great time. Like, I'm still six months removed from active duty, and I get back in an active duty environment, but that was, it was eight months I was there, and then transitioned back to the part-time service, living in my granddad's basement, like, uh, and then me and Megan work it out. She moves from Arizona up to Minnesota. Uh, at the towards the end of 2014. We get engaged in the beginning of 2015. Uh, so in 2014, when I was activated in Mississippi, I started uh, doing some steroids then. So uh, and that'll fuck with your mental health. Uh, to some extent, uh, I'm not going to get into the steroid conversation. That's its own topic. We'll break that down in more detail, probably pretty soon. But So mental health challenges. So then in 2000, that's 2014, I get back. Megan in Mississippi, start doing steroids. Then end of 2014, I go back to Minnesota. Megan comes, lives in my granddad's basement with me. And then we end up getting a place. We get engaged. Then in the beginning of 2015, we split up. So like this time, uh, six years ago, we were on a little six-month sabbatical at the very beginning of it. Because I... I don't know if this at this time was still a transition from military service, but definitely some mental health instability issues there, uh, chemical dependencies, just drug abuse, substance abuse use being around some some of the wrong people people i should have probably let go and i got reassociated with but when i got back to minnesota it's kind of fucking with a little bit people who weren't there for my the, the betterment of of everyone around you know just look people selfish people um who i don't say use me but take advantage of my friendship and to an extent i allowed it just to be around friends, people I've known, and can open up with even even if it's a not a healthy way to go about it. Just somebody I can be around, who's comfortable with me, who overall I don't think's gonna gonna hurt me. And when time I'm broken up with this lady, I'm still separating from the Air Force. I don't really have a job. I don't know what's happening. So and then ultimately, uh, I get hired in this full time position. Which involved me going like back to Mississippi to retrain to a new job and then back to Minnesota. So I spent like ten, ten out of fifteen or sixteen months in Mississippi between two thousand fourteen and two thousand. Oh shit, maybe it was like two years. Yeah, I went. Yeah, yeah, it was like two, and then two thousand sixteen. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm conflating the story and and getting too, uh, too blurry, but. Ultimately, the timeline separated from the Air Force. Things got dark, got activated uh, for eight months. And things weren't, that eight-month span ended, and I went back to no service. I was still down on part-time service. So things were still dark. And then I get this new job, which was full-time military service, just in Minnesota, supporting that part-time mission I was talking about, but it's a highly advanced, highly involved, highly in-depth part-time mission, uh, engineering and installations, communications infrastructure. Um, I've said too much. I think I've broken it down before, but I'll break it down again at a later time. Anyway, supporting these guys uh, and gals serving out of the state of Minnesota, doing great things, and then Megan and I split up, and at that point, they did some psilocybin. When Megan and I were split up in 2015, uh, so I separated from service, summer 2013, midway through the year. A year and a half later, I, it's it's up and down. It's rocky for a year and a half. Shit's just, I just can't seem to get it together or keep it together. I'm um, just keep making bad decisions. Alcohol, um, the cocaine's kind of, it's involved heavily at the beginning and then not so much. Uh, towards the end and ultimately it was still a little bit of a problem for probably another year after that um, so it was like it's th- three years off and on cocaine but like heavy for six months like right after separating service but it when Megan and I split up in 2015 I ended up having a psilocybin experience and I was with one of my closest and dearest friends, white, but he uh hooked me up with, you know, some mushrooms and I I had a great time. I uh I saw the love between the father and daughter. I kinda like I, like I could see and feel the love waves and it was just a place of warmth, a familiar place with my best friend and that really brought me to a good a good place. And I didn't even know what to expect. I did no research. Um, but that helped me really start to begin to gain perspective on my own self and well-being. Okay, okay. I'm going to cut that one there. Um, I got, I'm going to break down kind of psilocybin my perspective and thoughts just from my own experiences uh mainly through uh throughout 2020 but going back even to the uh the early 2000s and my my first experience uh, my first experience and my second experience were a decade apart i think they're about 10 years apart and then from my second to third experience those were several years apart but but from then I've, I've continued my my experimentation and just journeys into my myself just learning about my conscience my soul my spirit, just my, my well-being just the understanding of my psychology just why I am the way I am the way I think and um, and the ability to look inward and overcome and all the th- all, all all kinds of positive positive takeaways from my use of, of psilocybin so i'm going to i'm going to leave that podcast there that's my intro into into that and i think everything everything that i've talked about you know leading up to this i think it has a lot it can go ahead and go into uh, separating from service or dealing with grief or loss i think it can be put into many contexts but i'm going to save it for the next podcast i've uh, been been going on i wanted to set everything up properly so this will be a two-parter and i'll hit you with part 2 as, as soon as possible but i'm just going to go into kind of my my experiences with how and why I just enjoy exploring, uh, exploring the stars with, uh, with psilocybin, but it all starts with exploring and, and getting to know yourself. And when that's really important, when you're feeling a sense of loss or sense of grief to, to really dig down into your psychology and, and all different types of feelings, not even negative feelings, maybe even if it's good feelings or it could, maybe it's pain, but I'm going to go into, to all of that. So yeah, I'm gonna get up out of here. Um, part two coming up soon. So everybody be cool, check on a vet, and hug your loved ones. And it was a few podcast episodes ago I mentioned uh, I was going to start working on some music a little bit more, and I, I did. I, that's true. So I'm going to hit y'all with a really raw first draft of a track I, I don't want to do it. I got a few I've been working on, but this one I do want to leak. I want to leak it. I'm, I like where it's going. I think it's going to be a few people involved in this project. Uh, I want you to keep in mind, uh, first of all, I'm not a fucking rapper. I'm a husband and a father and a bastard. Keep that in mind. Uh, uh, but the, the drums are incomplete. Uh, it's it's just an 8-bar loop. The, the, there's a lot, a lot to go, but the concept of the song, I like where... I like where it's going, and I like it enough how it sits right now in kind of the demo version to, to at least put it on the cast because y'all, y'all, the ones fucking with me right now. So stay tuned for part two. Um, uh, check out the story about Daniel Huckleberry Slim. Chip! Let me tell you a little story about D.H. Slim Oh, bad motherfucker over there off field Got a couple rings on and a blade in his boot He knew when it's time to pipe down and when it's to shoot And Slim, he never switched up The niggas it where he came from He probably should have been a goner But he drippin' holy water